Chargers superstar quarterback Justin Herbert hasn't lived up to his insane standards over the last two games, but is it time to worry about Herbert or is he being held back by the rest of the offense? You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together now together for six seasons. This is our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen today. And as always, to make sure you never miss the show, make sure you're going to subscribe to that Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also following the show for free wherever you get your podcast from. But, David, you know what it is. We are, I guess, a day late, but it's buy or sell today since the Chargers played last night as we're recording this. And it's time to get into some of the biggest overreactions and storylines along with the Chargers so far. I know one of the main criticisms has been, hey, the Chargers are 4-2, and two, right? Should we be happier about that? And we're going to get into that today. But I think one of the more interesting things I've seen out there is people – Worried about Justin Herbert, the Chargers superstar, third-year quarterback. So maybe is it time to worry about Justin Herbert? We'll get into that in buy or sell. Maybe it's Joe Lombardi that's continuing to come back and maybe struggle offensively with the weapons that he has. But I do think there's some things on the defensive side I want to talk about, like will Michael Davis start in Week 7 over J.C. Jackson? Because as we record this right now, we don't know that for certain. And also, Brandon Steely might have just coached the best defensive half that he's coached as Chargers head coach so far. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And we'll also talk about just being more happy about a four and two start because, hey, it's hard to be four and two in the National Football League. So we're going to get into that as well. But this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. All right, David. Well, buy or sell has been fun. I've loved doing it so far. And I think it's always interesting to see kind of the different storylines that pop up from week to week, especially with the Chargers, because you never know how they're going to win. So it's like a win or a loss could lead to a thousand different timelines and storylines to get in. Lots of questions. Lots of questions, as always. And I think there's a lot of valid questions, especially even at four and two, because the Chargers, you know, still haven't lived up to expectations in certain regards. But I think the most interesting thing I've seen out there too is people worried about justin herbert and justin herbert hasn't lived up to his expectations over the last two weeks we should be worried about justin herbert by yourself no i'm not worried about justin herbert i'm selling that um definitely not worried about justin herbert i think we have to consider all of the circumstances that justin herbert has had to endure not only just the last few weeks but pretty much since you know the second week of the season let's remember guys Justin Herbert is out there fighting through a rib cartilage injury that would sideline most other players. So, number one, the guy is incredibly tough. He's going out there giving it all for his teammates. And has it been the big, sexy, gaudy passing numbers that we come accustomed to seeing from Justin Herbert through his first couple of seasons? No. You know, that that hasn't been the manifestation the last two weeks, but the Chargers have won football games other ways. If I were to tell you before the Cleveland Browns game that the Chargers would outrush the Cleveland Browns, (laughs) would you believe me? Of course not. There's no (laughs) way that you would believe me. But they did it. That's how they had to win that football game. And then against the Denver Broncos, that defense is suffocating. They are nasty. They 
bludgeon every team that they play and they do not give you anything over the top. They put a blanket on the coverage. They make you earn your way down the football field. It wasn't a a beautiful brand of football. It wasn't exciting offense, but it was effective and it's how they had to play in order to win the game. So in, you know, just in conclusion, no, I'm not worried about Justin Herbert. I'm selling that. All right, yeah, I mean, so let's look at the the total of it, right? The last two games, 59 of 91, 466 yards, only 5.1 yards per attempt, which I think is part of the problem, right? Not going yeah. downfield, not averaging a lot of yards every time he throws the ball, which is problematic. One touchdown in one interception. As always, even going back to last year, there's never just a clean interception on Justin Herbert. Those are very rare where he just, you know, randomly throws it into the arms. Yeah, made a bad decision. That doesn't really happen. No, not at all. I mean, two of the balls so far this year have been deflected, right? One bounced yeah. off the hands of Sony Michelle. One in the last game seemed like the defender got a hand on it and popped it up in there. Stuff yeah. like that happens. Ten in touchdowns and three interceptions so far as I think something that 95% of the quarterbacks around the league would take through five games if, or six games at this point. So, yes, it is a, a litany of things, right? Yeah. He's done this without Corey Lindsley. No Keenan yes. Allen for either game. A ton of pressure against him, not trusting his offensive line. Still facing a heavy dose of cover, too, because teams are so afraid that he's going to take the top off the defense and and beat them deep. So he's had to do a lot more checkdowns. But it's not that black and white. I mean, there is a lot of room for improvement as well. Like, I mean, even in that last game, right? A third and one. The game on the line, potentially, right? He has a play where he has Gerald Everett open on a corner route. Doesn't hit him. Has Xander Horvath open in the flats. Doesn't hit him. Yeah. And the decision-making has been hurt, especially by the pressure and things like that. And I mean, that's something that he still passes incredibly well under pressure, but his first year, he actually passed better under under pressure than he did when he was in a clean pocket. I think the most, or the best thing, I guess, best improvement so far is he is passing very, very well out of a clean pocket, which means when he's not under pressure, he's making all the right decisions. He hasn't been as good under pressure because that's just a volatile stat that you're going to, you know, have to regress to the mean at some point, but he's still better than most. It's some of it on him. He hasn't been as good as he should have been. It's hard to tell how much, you know, the injury is playing a factor in it, and we just have no idea. That's the one thing we can't quantify at all. Yeah. But he hasn't been helped out by the, you know, pass catchers. He hasn't been helped out by the play calling. He hasn't been helped out by the injuries that have happened to his offense. So, overall, I'm 100% selling that. I think Justin Herbert's still a superstar. He's going to be fine. Let's let the season play out because, I mean, he's only should be getting better from here with the guys he has coming back. Like oh, yeah. Corey Lindsley, his center, and Keenan Allen, his best offensive playmaker so i'm not worried about it at all joe lombardi though maybe it's time to be a little bit more worried about him because after you know a couple of really good weeks where the chargers averaged 32 points per game against the texans and against the browns the chargers offense came back to earth in this last game against the broncos obviously putting up 19 points three of those set up by a muff punt at the end of the game I guess the buy or sell here today david is this joe lombardi deserves the most blame for the bad offensive performance no, I don't think he deserves all the blame here. I'm I'm selling that for the simple fact that they just went up against probably the best defense that they're going to go up against all season. I mean, that, that Denver Broncos defense gets after it. They they stop the run. They take away your your number one option with a, a shutdown corner and Pat Sertan. I mean, the, the, the Denver Broncos did some good work. The, yeah. the Chargers only ran the ball for 64 yards uh, from their running backs. It just, you just didn't get a whole lot of production there. They took away Mike Williams. You had to get the ball out quick to Josh Palmer a lot, nine receptions for 57 yards. 
It, it, they just did and not Austin allow. Eckler too, right? Yeah, and between Austin the two Eckler of too. those guys, nineteen catches, right? That's a lot of short passes. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot, and and not a lot of yards to, to show for it. But that's the way that game had to be played. It, it, it was ugly, you know. You you hate to see the offense like that. But on the other side of the token, you would want to give Mike Williams a couple more opportunities to go up and get the football, and we did not really see that. So for in that particular instance i am a, a little annoyed about that i mean you got a yeah. guy who can go up and get the football you need to give him opportunities to go make plays that's what he does yeah and i don't even think it had to be like a 50 50 ball right you can get him yeah. on little crossing routes to do other things to get him involved it doesn't necessarily have to be that but even that being said i'd still be down to give him a couple of 50 50 ball chances because yeah. as you saw he probably got another one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen taken away from him with that sideline catch Unreal. late in the game. I mean, it looked like that foot might have gotten down, which the, to have the body control for that. I mean, the throw was crazy. The catch was crazier. I'm yeah. not super concerned about Mike Williams. Pat Sertan the second is a freak. I mean, I, like I said before the game, I think he's the top he's three corner in this league. Like, yeah. I just, that's just how good he is. At the same time, though, I mean, Joe Lombardi does deserve it. I mean, I'm, I'm buying that he's part of the problem. I'm not buying that he's necessarily the biggest part. I think the biggest part of the problem is the injuries. Having Corey Lindsley out changes the game plan. Having Keenan Allen out changes the game plan. Tremendously. Still, though, like, to run that little stick route and have that be the play that gets the interception obviously looks really bad because it's like, yeah, it does. defenders might be jumping that when you run it 10 times a game. Yeah. Right, yeah. and you're having every receiver either run, like, a four-yard stick route where they're just – trying to sit down in space and like a running back flaring out of the backfield. Like it's just not creative. And I think that he's on the fly, Joe Lombardi trying to kind of adjust to what the chargers have offensively at this point and in the protection and things like that. And Justin Herbert, even in this game, it could have been a lot worse. He could have got hit a lot harder, could have got a hit a lot more often. So, I mean, he's definitely balancing that out. Joe Lombardi is still a problem again. We'll see if he can fix it against a pretty bad Seattle Seahawks defense coming up this week. But I do think on the defensive side, though, there was a lot of things to like, and I think left a lot of big questions, including will J.C. Jackson start next week or will Michael Davis start next week? Because Brandon Staley probably just had his best defensive half as the Chargers head coach, and it came directly when he brought Michael Davis into the game and sat down J.C. Jackson. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. So we're going to continue our buy and sell and get into that. But I do need to tell you guys first, If your business is out there and needs to find the right people to hire, there's only one place to go, and that is LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available, and the only place you can get that is with LinkedIn Jobs. That's why you have to check it out and help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Everyone I know has LinkedIn. It's something that I've used many times, and it's definitely something that any business I've worked for has used to try to find better people for their company. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's continue this buy and sell with one of the biggest storylines coming out of this last Chargers game, which was Michael Davis finally finding his way back onto the field, but coming at the expense of J.C. Jackson, who got benched as the Chargers' $82.5 million cornerback. He got benched for the guy who was 
the much more maligned, highly paid quarterback cornerback last year, right? When he wasn't living up to that contract, a much, 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 much smaller contract. That should yeah. be said, but yeah, <laughs> there's no question, David, that the game changed, right? Mm-hmm. Michael Davis came in and it wasn't all him. It couldn't, it couldn't have been right. But like, that was the moment, right? That was the tipping point. That's what changed things in the Chargers' favor defensively in the second half. Now the question is, who's going to start next week? Because what we saw last week, David, was Nazir Adderley getting benched for Lohi Gilman. Well, guess what? The next week, Nazir Adderley got the start again. So yeah. this leaves – so let's put it this way, David. Are you buying or selling that J.C. Jackson will be the starting cornerback next week against Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, looking at this one, this one's a little bit more difficult. It's not as cut and dry because every single game, it seems like that J.C. Jackson has played, he's been picked on. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's something that, that's very abnormal. That That's not something you normally see. Normally, he's a guy that takes people away. But I think if you paid attention to Brandon Staley's press conference uh, Monday, or excuse me, Tuesday after the, the game, you kind of got some insight on what was going on or what they thought about J.C. Jackson. He said, we just need to stay patient. Last night wasn't up to his standard or ours. We felt like we had to go in a different direction. We're going to stay with him, keep keep coaching him, and see if we can get him comfortable. And then there was a follow-up question that said, is J.C. Jackson committing mental errors? And he said, I think it's fair to say that. So seems like J.C. Jackson is just not fully comfortable and not really fully understanding all of the different things that he's being asked to do in this particular defense. He's used to pressing a lot, getting up uh, up in the receiver's face and really trying to disrupt timing there. And this defense, frankly, asks you to do a lot more different techniques. It's kind of like what Michael Davis suffered from last season. A lot of different things that he had to learn in order to go out there and play fast in this defense. Just seems like J.C. Jackson yeah. isn't quite there. So I think, honestly... We might see Michael Davis starting next week. I said it on yesterday's show. I mean, I, I think if it's me, I'm shutting J.C. Jackson down until after the bye week and hoping that whether it's him just getting a little healthier, whether it's him just getting two more weeks of practice where he can try to let this defense fully sink in, Yeah, I don't need to see him. I mean, I'd probably keep, keep him active, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you need him, you need him. If it's a disaster, sure. if it's an emergency, you need him out there. I get it. Yeah, but I'm starting Michael Davis next week. Will they? I don't know. That's really hard. Brand Saylor deserves a lot of credit for benching him when he did. It's very hard to keep a guy that makes that much money. Frankly, you know, multiple times more money than Brandon Staley makes himself right (laughs) off of the field. So, like, that is a tough thing to do. It was the right decision. It panned out for the Chargers in a big way in that second half defensively. I'm... I think I'm buying it. I mean, if I'm the Chargers, I, I'm, I'm putting Michael Davis back out there, even if I have to make some excuse like, hey, we're going to let he's sore. We're going to let him figure it out. You know, we're going to just out of precautionary reasons, try to keep him off the field. If we can, we'll yeah. get him back after the bye week. And hopefully by that point, he's fully settled in because, yeah, I mean, he's used to playing man coverage. But in this last game, he gave up two catches, right? 86 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah. You just can't survive with that dude on the field, especially when other teams seemingly the last few weeks have been trying to find him and pick on him specifically. But, David, that brings me to a different buy or sell here, which is this. Brandon Staley had his best half as the Chargers defensive play card. Are you buying or selling it? Buying it a thousand percent. I'm putting all of my money on it because, honestly, it was crystal clear. I mean, you look at that second half. It goes like this. Punt. Derwin James sack on third and nine, then punt, 
due to a Drew, Drew Tranquil sack on third and six. Then it's an interception. They Denver Broncos get zero yards out of or forced to kick a 48 yard field goal. Then his punt punt. Oh, then again, there's another Drew Tranquil sack on third and six with two minutes left in the game. That was a nine yard sack then turned into a punt. The Chargers defense held the Broncos to 72 yards of total offense in the second half of that football game. That was pure dominance against the pass, against the run. They were utilizing the blitz to great effectiveness with other players not named Khalil Mack. They were getting after it. The defense was at its best on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, and I think the thing about the defensive performance is you could really see where everything kind of went wrong on the drives that the Broncos did score points. Like, for example, I mean, 10 of those points you can almost directly link to J.C. Jackson, right? A pass interference on a third and 13-plus. You end up giving up three points on that drive. You end up giving up a 39-yard touchdown wide open with J.C. Jackson supposedly in a cover three. Right, where he's just letting the dude run right down the sideline for an easy touchdown, probably the easiest touchdown we've seen all season given up by the Chargers. And then before half, he gives up the other big play to KJ Hamler to put the Broncos right in field goal position. So that's actually, yeah. I take it back. I said 10 points. I mean, maybe that split between him and Derwin, both of those guys were right there and seemed to kind of give up on that route. Yeah. Either way, it's about 13 points given up just by JC Jackson. I mean, they only scored three points in the second half, the Broncos did, and that was based on a Justin Herbert interception. So, like, yeah. they truly gave up zero points in the second half. They were giving up nothing at all in the second half. And, yeah, if you're going to, you know, bash Brandon Staley for being a bad defensive play caller, you have to give him credit where credit's due. And I understand people saying, oh, well, you know, the Chargers went up against a terrible offense. That's true. The Chargers have also gotten scored on by terrible offenses. Davis mm-hmm. Mills is not good. Mm-hmm. Jaguars offense wasn't as good as the Chargers made them look. The Browns mm-hmm. offense wasn't as good as the Chargers made them look. Just because you're playing a bad offense doesn't mean the Chargers have lived up to their own hype, right, and been able to shut it down. That's just not the reality we're living in. So, like, I I do think Brandon Staley called the right calls. You saw exactly what his influence was. The blitz packages were perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Him having Drew Tranquil as a QB spy on that Russell Wilson sack, one of those where he just kind of shot the gap right as Russell Wilson started to get out of the pocket, which was really the only place where he found to hurt them in that game. Yeah. You saw it. It all clicked, and it seemed like, you know, when they did the offense of the Broncos didn't have one single guy to try to key out in J.C. Jackson, that everything was kind of working like Brandon Staley wanted to work. I mean, there's a yeah. reason why Brandon Staley's defense is seen all over the league now, right? It's not just a fluke that everyone's trying to kind of copy what Brandon Staley did. It works when you have the guys doing what they're supposed to do. They did it in that second half, and it was noticeable, and I thought from Brandon Staley's standpoint, it was very noticeable, his kind of impact on that. It's a performance that you can build on, Daniel. It's a performance you can hold your hat on and look back to and say, hey, we performed this defense at almost the highest level that it is capable of, so we know we can do it, so we can multiply that in the weeks to come. 100%. I mean, there's definitely, I think, stuff to build on. Not every offense is going to be as inept as the Broncos were. They missed out on a couple pretty big plays as well that would have maybe felt a little bit differently. But the Chargers pushed all the right buttons, and I thought one of the things that really helped them there was their run defense, just not giving up super easy yards in the running game, right? They weren't giving up a bunch of first downs in the running game at all either. I thought that was something that really, really helped them. So we're going to get into that, and if the Chargers should just be much happier just to start four and two because it's very, very hard to do, and if maybe – the special teams has finally been fixed. Are we willing to christen the special teams as something that has been redeemed? We'll get into that coming up right after this, but I do need to tell you guys 
about the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. And of course, I'm talking about betonline.net. I don't know about you guys, but to me, there's literally nothing better in the world than having betonline.net sitting on my couch and having Sunday football all day long where I just get to go on. And even the games I don't care about, you can give me commanders and, you know, Chicago Bears. It will mean something to me because I'm going to have some action on it with betonline.net because they always have the most creative bets. They always have the funnest live in-game betting so you can get back in the game if you need to or just always keep, you know, finding something that you can bet on. That's what I love about betonline. Not only do they let you bet, but they make it creative. They make it fun. I have a ton of fun using betonline.net. But the cool thing is I think kind of where they separate themselves is they're also giving you all the information as well. That's one of the crazy things you don't find on other betting websites is BetOnline is your number one source for football information this season as well. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. And as always, it's your continued source for all sports wagering information, live betting, and up-to-the-minute scores on every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, even golf, whatever you want, you can find it at BetOnline.net. So head head to BetOnline.net. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. A big part of the Chargers' dominant defensive performance on Monday Night Football, David, I thought was very much, you know, in connection with how well they played against the run. I mean, if you look at the raw totals, I mean, it'd probably just look like another game where the other team had a pretty good rushing game. But you also kind of have to hold that up to the bar of where the Chargers were, right? Which is allowing like 5.6 yards per carry on the season going into this one. And this one, though, they were much better, David. If you take just the Denver running backs, they had only 75 yards in this game. And they only averaged, wait for it, 3.9 yards per carry. I'll take that. I'll take that every single day of the week. I mean, every day, especially when like the plan was. You can have the run. We're going to absolutely take away Russell Wilson, right? Because that seems like what it was kind of, you know, what they were doing out there. A lot of light boxes that the Broncos were facing in this one. And Melvin Gordon, you know, somehow gets benched in this game on three carries and no fumbles. But the buyer sell here is this, David. The Chargers run defense is showing signs of improvement. So I I like the way you phrase it that way, because if you said, hey, the the Chargers run defense is better, I I would have to sell that because I'm not ready. Yeah. yeah, Or or fixed because I'm not ready to say that. I don't have enough evidence to say that the run defense is fixed, but we do have evidence of the run defense improving for sure. It seems like Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray are playing some really good football together, which Wow. I mean, when were we ever yeah. going to say that before this season? We have to give some credit to Kenneth Murray. He looks like he's actually contributing in a positive way to the defense. And that's really all that you can ask for at this point. Derwin James, Khalil Mack has been fantastic. Khalil <laughs> Mack is is yeah. a dog. He, he just absolutely eliminates people on the edge. He is, as advertised, he is really one of the key factors of this run defense. He just brings that attitude. Also, Sebastian Joseph Day playing playing really good football in the middle as well. Him and Austin Johnson, I, I think, uh, have been really, really good. I think they're really starting to hit their stride in run defense. Yeah. So I do think there are some signs that the run defense is improving. So I'm going to buy that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, let's start with this. They didn't give up a 40-plus yard rush for the first time since week one. No way. Yeah. (laughs) They had three weeks where they gave up 50-yard runs, and then the fourth week they gave up a 40-plus yard run to Nick Chubb and a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, 
they didn't have the big play against them. I think that's kind of the thing that really gives me the most encouragement, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they had the longest run of the game was 14 yards. It wasn't pretty, but most of the runs were dying right around the line of scrimmage. Maybe there's a little extra push, but they were going three or four yards. You will take that because what yeah. did it do? It put the Seahawks in a ton of third downs. And they couldn't convert. They would end up shooting themselves in the foot, but it was only because they were facing so many third downs and weren't giving up first downs easily. And a lot of that came from, hey, maybe we yeah. don't give up, you know, eight yards rushing on second and seven. Like it's a mo- yeah, you, you know, novel concept. You can't concept. do that. You can't do totally. that. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's better. I, I mean, Drew Tranquil, I think, deserves a lot of credit because he has been, you know, a really nice surprise this year. Oh, he's he's taken his game up a notch. It is a surprise to get, you know, meaningful play from Kenneth Murray. I mean, that yeah. was the conversation before the season was, hey, can you get something out of this? Hey, you might not get that first round guy. You might not get a guy that you think lives up to your expectations as a first round pick, but can you get something meaningful? I think he's done that so far yeah. this year, right? And, and, and to some extent, more than even some of the other guys that we maybe were expecting more from. But I do think it is solid. I mean, the Broncos had a pretty solid rushing attack limit. Latavius Murray is solid and yeah everyone knew pretty much the only way the broncos were getting that thing done is if they ran the football they still couldn't get it done but let's get to the next thing here david which is basically just talking about the chargers who are sitting at four and two like i mean before the season started i think that i picked the chargers to go 12 and five somewhere somewhere around that but like yeah i think most of us would have signed up for four and two you know what I mean? Without the context, if you would have just said, hey, four and two right now going into a game against the Seahawks, you're darn right. I'm taking that before the season because I didn't think the Seahawks were any good at all with Geno Smith or Drew Locke. But it does seem like there's a lot of negativity out there, David, for sure. I saw Daniel Popper kind of went on a rant about this and hops with pop on his YouTube channel. And he was basically just like, hey, you guys are too negative. It's just it, a lot of teams would be very happy to have a four and two team, which is true. There's a lot of, you know, valid things to be upset about with this team. There's a lot of ways that this team hasn't lived up to expectations. I get the frustration. But at the end of the day, David, you're four and two. You're sitting, you know, one game out of the AFC conference, not just, you know, the AFC West. You're sitting one game out of the AFC lead at this point behind the Buffalo Bills. You're also tied atop the division with the Chiefs and have a chance to kind of get that tiebreaker back with them when you meet up again later in the season. So do you think, I mean, buy yourself this, David, we should be happier. We should be having, you know, happier conversations since the charter team is four and two. Buy it. I, I'm, yeah. I, come on. I, I'm the eternal optimist here, but even, even without that, guys, let, let's have some perspective. Okay. Sure. You lost a all pro left tackle on Rashawn Slater. You well, let's lost- also remember too, uh, this is perspective, David, me and you covered the team in a four and 12 season. Then the chargers already have four wins this year. So exactly. Could be yes. a lot worse. So yeah, it could be a million times worse. So, but yeah, back to my point here, you're without your all pro left tackle. You're without Corey Lindsley for a couple of, of games. And you saw the impact that has you went, went games, without yeah. Joey Bosa for the majority of the season. You've been without Keenan Allen, who's one of the best third down weapons in the NFL, period. And you're still four and two right up there in the top of the AFC West. You should not be upset. You should be incredibly happy. Oh, by the way, let's not forget your superstar quarterback has been dealing with the fractured rib cartilage injury pretty much the entire season. And he still has a four and two record. Yeah. So given all of those things, given some of the defensive struggles, 
you should be incredibly happy that your Chargers are four and two at this point in the season because with all those injuries, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, and I mean, I'll add an extra layer to that, right? I think you got to be happy with the improvement that you've seen from some of these players because one of our biggest, you know, kind of things we've harped on in the past is just how are you developing these players? How much yeah. better is Drew Tranquil this year? How much better is Trey Pipkins this year, right? A lot. How, how quickly did the Chargers get Someone like Jamari Sawyer ready to play left tackle in the National Football League, right? He's been unreal. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, we've seen some really good development. How much better has Josh Kelly been so far this year? Like, he's Massive. looked like an entirely different player. So, there's a lot of things to build on here. I know it hasn't been right, but like, it hasn't been, you know, up to some people's expectations. But at the same time, like, what else have they been doing? Winning close games. I don't care yeah. if it's a missed field goal, right? You just won a yeah. two-point game last week. You won a three-point game this week. If you've been Chargers fans like me and David have for as long as we have, how many games have they lost in one-score games? Even the Countless. Houston Texan games, right? That Countless. was that should have been a one-score game. The Chargers marched down the field, had a six-minute drive, and made it a ten-point game, and made it not a contest when the game was, you know, about to be over. Like that's right. The Chargers have done a lot of things. We've gotten mad at them for not doing in the past so far this season. I think there's a lot to build on. But speaking of Josh Kelly. Bad news there. Really, really, honestly, really sucks. We knew he got hurt. I think he must have been on special teams because I don't think I saw him play an offensive snap yeah, yeah. in this game. But looks like he's going to be out two to four weeks is basically what the projection is right now. And Brandon Steele was asked, okay, is it, is it spiller time now, right, basically? And he said, hey, it's going to be uh, basically Isaiah Spiller and Larry Roundtree are going to battle it out to see who RB3 is going to be. Right now it's going to be Austin Eckler. Sony Michelle, those two are guaranteed. <laughs> are you buying that it is a legitimate competition to see who this third running back is going to be? It better not be. <laughs> I'm sorry. It better not be. I've seen that movie, and tr- honestly, I'd like to return it. I didn't enjoy it at all. The Larry Roundtree experience was not great, and he has not done anything productive at all in his NFL career. You have not seen anything from Isaiah Spiller other than untapped potential. So if if he this week, given the injury where there is a golden ticket opportunity for him to go out there and show not only his team, but all the fan base, what he can do, then you are just flat wrong. This is what needs to happen. You need to give this kid an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do because you've seen what Larry Roundtree can do and it's not good enough. Larry Roundtree didn't make this team. Right, like he did not make the opening day roster. Isaiah Spiller did. We just haven't seen him be active for a game yet. And I think, I mean, obviously, it's a red flag when you know you have your questions about Sony Michelle and he can't get on the field over him for sure. It's really a red flag when your running game has been as bad as it has been for the Chargers, and they're still not giving Isaiah Spiller a chance. But like, I wonder if Brandon Staley knows how much of an indictment. He's kind of putting on Isaiah Spiller by saying that it's him and Larry Roundtree trying to battle it out to see who's going to be RB3. Are you going to have to you know, activate or elevate someone from the practice squad just to not put Isaiah Spiller in the game? That's wild. <laughs> That's wild to me. I mean, I Josh, I Kelly does have, Josh Kelly does have a substantial special teams role with this team, right? That is one of the, the ways he makes an impact. That will play a part of it this time. I've always said before, like, Sony Michelle doesn't play any special teams, so no. put him in his place. That's not an option now. It's going to be Austin Eckler and Sony Michelle, no matter what. Yeah. 
It has to be Isaiah Spiller. <laughs> I mean, the Chargers can use Isaiah Spiller, you know, in this last game, let alone going forward if you don't have Josh Kelly. I understand having Josh Kelly over him. Josh Kelly's like, great. Yeah. You need to have Isaiah Spiller. You need to start figuring out what you have in that pick because you drafted three running backs the last three seasons. You need to figure out what you have in this guy. And if he, if, if he can't get on the field at this point, right, six weeks in, you have much bigger problems, right? Yeah. Like that's a, that's a really, really big problem. We've seen it with other guys in the past, like guy who got in for the first time last week, Brendan Hymas, right? Like just even in the worst scenarios, they weren't willing to put him on the field. Like it's starting to feel like that a little bit with Isaiah Spiller. And that's super scary because Isaiah yeah. Spiller is uber talented. And I want to see what he's able to do at the NFL level, just when he can just, you know, get out there and go. And hopefully we get to see that this week against the Seattle Seahawks and the Chargers can get their rushing game back on track. But that is going to do it today for today, but make sure you guys are back here tomorrow because tomorrow is crossover Thursday. So we're going to be joined by the Locked On Seahawks podcast to talk about this easy game. The Chargers should have had an easy win and maybe not being so easy anymore with the Seahawks playing as well as they're playing. To make sure you don't miss it, make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcasts from. You can check us out any day on Spotify apple podcast make sure to rate and review if you use those as well we really appreciate that you can also find the show on all of our social media you can follow me on twitter at dan talk sports david drogmeyer on twitter at drog talk sd and you can also find the show's page at lockdown lac you can also find the show on our lockdown chargers facebook page and at lockdown chargers on our instagram page as well if you guys want to call in and get your questions in for the next chargers mailback show make sure to call in to 323-524-7924 but thank you guys again for making us to our first listen if you guys need a second listen make sure to check out the peacock and williamson show the best all around short and sweet nfl podcast that you're going to find if you want to keep up with everything going on around the league you make sure to check out the peacock and williamson show wherever you get your podcast from but make sure you guys are back here tomorrow for crossover thursday with the locked on seahawks until then take it easy and go bolts